Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another version of Bill Roden on sports here in um, an undisclosed location in Manhattan with my good friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph. Of course, of course, it's great to be here once again in this undisclosed location. I'm sure people could figure it out by now. I think we, how they, we how, probably let it slip in the past. No, I don't think so. No, okay. I don't think so. All right. Okay. Anyway, listen, um, it's good to be back. I've been out of town for a little while in Las Vegas. Uh, but we have a tremendous, a tremendous guest, really special guest. I've been watching her work. I've been thinking, wow, man, the uh, the future of journalism, particularly black journalism, is in really good hands. It's really, in, you know, it's encouraging. Um, our guest is the wonderful Taylor Rooks. Hello. Yeah, Taylor Rooks. Um, Such a nice introduction. Yes. Well, you know, you earned it. <laughs> yes. You Why, thank it. you. No, you, thank you work you. hard. You work hard. <laughs> uh, so Taylor is uh, currently the... Um, uh, SNY anchor, college football. She was a former, you probably saw her a lot, uh, she was a former sideline reporter for CBS Sports Network. She still does her podcast, which is Time Out with Taylor Rooks. Uh, she was a pre- she's, got a, yeah, she's got a pretty substantial resume. Yeah. Yeah, already, I think you already had a classic podcast with uh, Beasley. Oh, with oh Michael yeah, Beasley. Michael Beasley. How'd you survive that? <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, uh, that was fun that to That was quite an experience, uh, mm-hmm. but definitely one of my favorites, uh, for sure. I mean, just so entertaining, and I think right. he is just such a misunderstood person. So no, doing no question the podcast, about it. Yeah, and really kind of understanding where he's coming from. Where is, things do you, you understand yeah, that? Tell, tell us. Me where tell us where, where is he coming from. First, first, first of all, we get, we get a welcome to the show, Taylor. Wait, yeah. Wait, <laughs> Happy yeah. to be here. There's more on our resume. There's more on our resume. <laughs> more on our resume. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got Happy to be up. here. But Beasley's the most important. <laughs> yeah, no, Beasley, that was a big decode decode Beasley. Um, yeah, former, she was a former football basketball reporter. For the Big Ten, uh, well, she was a she was a host and reporter and correspondent for the Big Ten Network, mm-hmm. former football basketball reporter for Scott.com. Uh, she reported extensively. In fact, she broke some stories, some recruiting stories. Um, she appeared on CBS Sports Network at nineteen. Yikes! Prodigy. <laughs> a prodigy. She's my, oh, we'll, we'll clearly be working don't, for her. We'll clearly we better butter her up because <laughs> it's about ten. Don't years. make me blush. <laughs> Um, she's a proud alumnus of the University of Illinois, uh, where my brother went to school, by the way, uh, U of I. Um, she's brought, who, who were you there? With? What I, I only know Cliff, with, with the basketball teams. Who were you there? Were they any good when you were there? I mean, they weren't great, but our best players, like Myers Leonard, Brandon mm. Paul, no, that, Joseph Bertrand, yeah. that whole. the dark, the down period. That it, was, it was post We're still Williams. in the down period, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. was, that, was that after Kendall Gill? And, and, and oh, way, way after. after. But that, it's after Darren Williams, right? Yeah, because oh, wow. that team was like the 05 team. Right. Kendall Gill, that was the flying line. Bill, that she's was, 25. <laughs> <laughs> She was, but just, I, she was just there. But I wish I, I was know. there for that I time. Right, I wish. I but you got, a good, you got a good coach now. I like Underwood. You do? Yeah, he's a good coach. Hey, well, I yeah. hope we He hasn't get to shown win it this year yet, but yeah. uh, he'll get it done. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And there's more. Her, fa- <laughs> <laughs> her father, her father is Tom, wow, Thomas Rooks, who's the all-time leading rusher at Illinois. Wow. And check this out. Lou Brock, is this really serious? <laughs> I'm making this shit. Come on, I was, no, Lou, I made it all up. <laughs> Lou Brock is her uncle. <laughs> yes, they, really? he is my dad, and he is my uncle. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, so, but did you know that he was like Lou Brock? I mean, did you like go back and watch film? I mean, yeah. I mean, one thing I always tell people is. I never thought it was like that cool or that significant, really, until I went to Illinois. Like I know a lot of people know who he is and stuff, but in Georgia, it, it wasn't as big of a deal as being in Champaign, like which is Southern Illinois, and there's all of these St. Louis Cardinals fans right. there. Um, and I would tell people, and they were almost like, "What?" Like they, they, like I would say, "I'm a Cardinals fan." They say, "Why?" Oh, my uncle played it for them. Like, who is it? He's old. Like, you know, I gotta know him. There and I tell them and they're like, um, "Are you serious?" <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's crazy. It's like Willie Mays or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh, Willie Mays. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Mays. And okay, yeah. it's a little more. So um, she's a fantasy football fanatic. I am. Okay. How many? How many leagues? 
Actually, this year I only did one. Oh, I did wow. one of the best, but I wanted wow. to focus. Okay. okay. You, you had, know? You had a lot of work to do. Yeah. I okay. I got you. <laughs> Hmm, fantasy. Okay, well, yeah. you know, a lot, that was lot for of, you, Bill. Uh, yeah, I, I know. We, we can't kill. Are the you fan. in fantasy football? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he's a he's a hater. He's a hater. He's well, a I mean, I guess you guys play each other. No, no, okay. no. In other words, I'm not into that at all. Because I'm thinking, my but this is kind of old school, and I'm coming around. I'm right. coming around. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm into the work. You know, I'm, right. I'm at the stadium. And I said, this is real stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not the fantasy. What more? You but I realized, okay, let's look at it through the prism of Another generation, but you know, I don't know if you found it. A lot of athletes are. I talked to a couple of guys. Who's the guy, Jonathan Stewart, who plays for the uh, Panthers? Right. Mm-hmm. And he was saying he's not really into it because, you know, a lot of people come to him and they'll be pissed because they'll say, yeah. you know, you know, Jonathan, you didn't get it done, or or if someone gets injured, yeah, everyone's yeah. like, okay, you only care about my injury because it's going to affect your fantasy team. So I totally right. understand that aspect of it. Right. But it really is just a fun, it's a fun thing to do. I mean, if you realize that it is just a game and there is something bigger than your fantasy football team. Right. Um, but picking who you're going to play and the matchups and, you know, who are you going to bench, that's, it's fun. Are you good? Do you, do you find I think I'm good. Do well, you, there's a record, you know, you're judged by your record. I win, yes. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I have lost. Mm-hmm. I don't discuss the losses. Okay, but <laughs> okay, okay. But I, I do think I, I'm... Fairly good. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. well, we'll have to God do some research you. on her leagues. I know. You I'll say, join your league next season. I really will. <laughs> okay. and, and you'll okay. you'll see. But maybe I got you. I got a spot open too. Okay. Good. Open. Maybe Just not so anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> well, there you have it. So that's our show, folks. We. <laughs> hey, I'll step up to the challenge anytime. I'll try, but you know what? I think I was going to play one season. Just to dominate, just to, <laughs> you know, just to say, okay, is this all there is to it? Right. You know, really? Well, because I think sometimes a mistake that people make is thinking if they just play, okay, the best player on that given day, they'll get the most points. But it really is about the matchups. Like, you know, you could it could be like the two deep receiver, but you know that they're going to get a lot of yards because, you know, Antonio Brown's going to be locked down or something like that. So right, it's right. about the matchups. Do you, do you find that it's gotten more people who are just casual fans into the sport? I mean, you know, because football's having presumably so many issues. But do you find that fantasy football has, has brought in a lot of just casual fans who who probably wouldn't be glued to the TV otherwise. Yeah, because I think even in my league, there's people that play fantasy football but aren't huge football right, fans. Right. Mm-hmm. But they enjoy playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, we were joking at the, uh, about this at the very beginning about mm-hmm. Michael Beasley, because that's one of the things <laughs> on your resume. You had the classic interview with the Knicks' Michael Beasley. What 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 happened? I mean, because I mean, you said, oh, now I see where he's coming from. I said, oh. <laughs> Really? Where where yeah. is he, where is he coming from? But that was, it was well, great though. It yeah. Was great. What happened essentially is there was a part of the interview. Mm-hmm. It's funny because most people don't realize this because you see the clip. The reason we started having this conversation about the brain and the ten percent, eleven percent thing is because we were actually talking about race, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the use of the N word. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was saying that we put the power in the word and that it's really something that like we can define and see. So he then started saying, you know how most people say we only use 10% of our brain. How do we know that? We only know that because someone said it. And then we got into this back and forth about how that's not true. And then it led back to race. Mm. Um, But yeah, we definitely disagreed on the use of the N word. He felt like it should not make you angry if a non-black person says it. I said that it should. Yeah. And so that's really what the conversation was about. Um, Mm. But that part just kind of went viral because he was so intense about it. (laughs) Well, you know, that that does kind of flow because you you I don't know how much you've said about this on the air, but you really are uh, an advocate of protest of of, of athletes really using their platform. And I guess when you see a guy like Beasley, I remember the first time I met him was at an airport. And this was just before the Obama election or something like that. And he was like in the, you know, in a flying commercial. Mm. And, and I was like, you know, and it kind of lines around. I said, you know, man, I hope you vote. I don't know what provoked me to say that. Like, I hope you vote or tell people to vote. Because you wanted Obama to win. That's what provoked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and these guys, like you said, I mean, they have a, if, if he says, if a guy like that, you know, starts telling people to vote. Right. All those guys. Right. Then people who kind of like that. But there was, you know, but this conversation you had with him about the N-word, to me, 
it's so regressive. Yeah. You, you know, and um, how did you guys, I mean, how did you, how did that, how did that conversation end? Well, his point was that he doesn't think he should waste his energy or anger on the fact that if someone says it and that it doesn't bother him when people who aren't black say it. Mm. I said, no, it is a word that, sorry, belongs to black people now. Um, and that he should feel away if they say it. We definitely left the conversation disagreeing. Right, right. It wasn't that he was advocating people saying it. It was just that he was saying it didn't really bother him if they did. Um, and that was kind of how, how we left it. Because he wasn't going to change my mind. I wasn't right. going to change his. But it was just a conversation that I felt was worth having in that moment. Well, good for you. Uh, what, you know, the thing is, like, both of you, I guess he's, what, 26 or 7 or eight, something like that? A little older so, than me, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and, and that's what kind of, you know. So here you have two black people around the same age, but completely different views mm -hmm. on something. Because a lot of people, a lot of times people say, well, you're old school. Right. The N-word is old school. But then I'll take somebody like you who's trying to say, and, and who say, uh-uh, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, well, no. So, But why do you think that is? Is it because maybe you're... You're a journalist, or you're just more steeped in history, or you're smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's not even that I'm saying everybody should just be walking around saying it, whether you're black or not black. It's more that there are some words that I think do belong to a specific group of people, um, and that it is unacceptable if a, a different group of people says them. And that is what I'll, I'll always stand by. And that is what I was talking to Michael Beasley about. But mm. it is weird, the, the different things and different emotions that those conversations conjure in people. Because it's like, even though me and him didn't agree on that subject, I still think that we had the same like mindset about the actual word. Does that mm. make sense? Mm. Um, but it's just there's always this like difference of opinion. I think especially now nobody wants to agree on on words like that or topics like that. But I guess it kind of is what it is. Mm. But I don't know you. Now you're seeing really this different part of the spectrum. Like there are some people like me that are like go protest, use your platform, right, right, right. say what you want. And some people are like, I'm. I would never do that. I would. I would just not put myself in that position. And it, like, there's, there's almost no more middle ground. You either are for it or you're mm. against it. Speaking of which, how was? How did you cover the Kaepernick? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because for a lot of journalists, that was a watershed. In other words, particularly if you're a black journalist, it was mm -hmm. such a polarizing thing. What was sort of your, how did you cover it? How, how much of that did you get a, get a chance to talk about? Mm -hmm. right. And did you, did you ever bump up against sort of management? I mean, you're young and you're growing, what do you do? Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but did, what was there? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? What, what was that? How did you negotiate that? Well, I mean, I think that it was so important that there were so many black journalists that were able to cover it because one thing I always say is like, what if your you know network didn't have a black person and your panel is like four white men who maybe have the same opinion and you're not having any differing, you know, voice in there? Like the black voice was a very important voice this year and, and mm -hmm. always is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes you almost feel like you also have a responsibility, right? Like to to make sure that the message is being portrayed correctly and we aren't getting off track and we're paying attention to the real issues and we're not letting things be skewed one way. Mm. Um, it was something I talked a lot about on our magazine, Joe Daily News Live. Um, mm. And no, management didn't really shy away from it. They said, this is what is happening in the NFL. Be a part of the conversation. I think it's important. Um, but I also think it depends. Like for example, in my podcast, I talk about it a lot because that's really my voice and that's my thing. I'm supposed to have Malcolm Jenkins on the podcast oh, in two weeks, and that's something I know we'll talk about a lot. Great. Um, so I, I never really feel the need to shy away. I, mm. I think that if I have an opinion, I, I can say it, you know, as long as it's respectful and knowledgeable. Right. Um, mm. I really do think, like, we have a, a responsibility to talk about it. Mm. Well, I'm, But, you know, at the same time, we've seen other black journalists um, kind of, you know, their organizations clamp down mm -hmm. on them for, for speaking out about it. Um, and you, you know, one of, one of the things I love about you is that, you know, you, you kind of attack the issue. I think you've even described yourself as un unapologetically black. Mm -hmm. um, first, what do you mean by that? And then two, is it hard being that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that when 
I say that I'm more so saying like it's not my job to make you comfortable with me mm. or with how I feel about things. Like I don't feel like I need to shy away from something because you don't want to hear it or you're not ready to hear it. I think that was a big issue like with the protest and with race is some people just did not want to have the conversation because it, they didn't like how it made them feel. And I just don't think that that's my responsibility. Like. A lot of people say, you know, it's not the burden of the oppressed, you mm. know, to stop the oppression. Mm. That's not my job, you <laughs> know? So, you know, whether you agree with what I say, like one thing about me is I'll never be disrespectful. I'll never be mean, you know? Uh, that's just not the type of person that I am, but mm. I am going to express how I feel and I'm not gonna feel bad about it or feel sorry about it. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I try to tell myself every day when topics like this arise. Mm -hmm. So what what did you say? I mean, do you think Malcolm should have taken the money or not? <laughs> I mean, let's get straight <laughs> to the point, right? Yeah, now. let's just. Yeah. I mean, you know, he took but the see, money, right? But even the way that that question is posed, it's like, I think that there is a scenario where like everybody can be right. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you know, you're like absolutely right. where you're absolutely right. Malcolm can do that and be right and Colin can do what he wants and be right and Anquan right. Bolden can do what he wants and be right because even though they're approaching it in different ways, they're all wanting the same thing. Right. Like, for example, right. are you supposed right. to get mad at the black players that don't kneel? Like, right. does that mean they're doing something wrong? Well, that, that's you know? that's self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. But you could yeah. also, you could be a black player who truly wants equal rights and truly believes that and That's fights true. for it but just didn't kneel oh well everybody on the plantation didn't try to escape i mean because you know right. i mean <laughs> That's true. you know you know they you know there's a practicality right in this and i think that uh but i want to get back there because that's a great point though mm -hmm. uh and, and i almost you know you know and it's funny i was thinking about this um you know, I, I, I've been to that, the museum in D.C. about three times of the uh, African-American history. Yeah. So, and each time you go through it, but this last time for some reason, it, it, is that, first of all, you're so pissed off by the time you get mm -hmm. out of there. You, you know, but then you realize that there's uh, probably from the middle passage, mm -hmm. there's always been, once we went from Africa, the middle passage here said, you are a completely new breed of people, you know? because we're taking your language. You are a new group of black folks called African-Americans. And, and you know, this is it. And you can't, you know, you can't go back to whatever home. Right. You go back to Mississippi or Chicago or something like that. This is our home. So our thing became survival. Yeah. It's about survival. So I think we look at each other, you know, like you say, okay, Malcolm, you do it that way. You know, mm -hmm. you do it that way. Taylor, you do it that way. I do it this way. Yeah. So you're right. There, you know, I'm just, my only thing is just don't tell them that I'm escaping. In other words, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't snitch. Yeah, don't snitch. In other right. words, oh, yeah, yeah, Roden, they, tomorrow <laughs> night. Now, that's the motherfucker well, who he got to go, right? And, he, and, and people do that. Oh, they, you know? see, for sure. That's why I draw the line. I'm like, okay, you go your way, but the people who sell us out. Yeah. That's, but that's also survival. I'm not, you know, well, I'm not promoting it. But it's but, but they, but they feel as if I will, you know, I'll be in a better position if I sacrifice this other person. So what's the definition then in in this generation of an Uncle Tom? I could tell you the generation. Okay, each of us has a generation. You know, yeah. uh, what's the Uncle Tom? You know, as I'm, you know, okay, what's the mm. Uncle Tom in your generation? You know, in terms of selling people out, and is that also? relative to your thing about we all have to do it our, you know, each way, yeah. where do you draw the line? I mean, I get, where do you draw the line in terms of what's in the best interest for, for our survival? Yeah. You know, I really haven't put a lot of thought necessarily into that because it's just like, I know where I draw the line. Okay. You know, I don't, and that is one thing I've had to learn. It's like, I can't let the way that other people allow race to steer their life to also affect mine because it really is so different like some people see things fine that I don't think are fine and that's that's just kind of something that I had to accept right. I just know that for me I think that a win for one of us is a win for all of us and okay. I will always do what I can to ensure that you know this black person is doing well and then helping others and you know um, but of course there are people who don't think that way and maybe separate themselves from the group. But to me, I think that like being a part of the group makes you so much stronger, you know, just as a person and just a, just as a unit. Um, 
So it's it's definitely a complicated thing, mm-hmm. for sure. I want to put you all up on Audible. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read, particularly in these days and times. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com back, backslash Bill Roden on sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports for your free audiobook. Let's get back to the part we talk about the job. <laughs> we, we all keep ours. Uh, what, when, when the, I mean, so you went to the University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you decide that this is what you want to do? I think you want to be, ultimately, you want to be a TV host. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to host your own yeah. TV pro- When When did you professionally realize this is what you want to do? Well, I always knew I wanted to be on TV, and I always knew I wanted to be interviewing people. I love people. Um, but it was something that, you know, I always thought about it in high school, but it was like, okay, how realistic is this? Is this something that I can do? But my freshman year of college, I I knew like, I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure that this is my career. This is my future. This is the path that I follow. So I started a blog when I was a freshman in college. It started to Mm. like kind of pick up, get some traffic. Um, and so then Fox Sports asked me to work for them the rest of my college years. Nice. Yeah, so I got a lot of good experience with that. And then when I graduated, Big to Network asked me. Um, but I just think I kind of learned that doubting yourself is never going to get you to where you want. I had to make the decision, I want to be a sports anchor, mm-hmm. and then follow that. And I think that a lot of people, that's why college is a weird time, because if you're spending the four years figuring out what it is you want to do after, it's harder to get on that. And I think I had the advantage of knowing throughout the four years that this is the path that I was going to follow. Um, and really just deciding to attack it and, and believe that it was going to happen. Is that because, do you think, how much is that because you're, you're it, it's sort of in your blood? I mean, yeah. Your um, dad, yeah. your uncle, yeah. Lou Brock. Yeah, my parents would always say, like, you can literally do whatever you want to do if you put right. your mind to it. And, mm-hmm. like, I thoroughly believe that because I would hear it all the time. I never felt like, I had limits, and I, and I still don't feel like I have mm. any limits. Um, so I always say, you know, when I have kids, I'll make sure I always tell them that because I never really doubted myself or doubted that I could do the things that I knew I wanted to do. And what about your relationship with sports? I mean, obviously, like like Bill said, it's in, it was in your blood. Yeah, um, very but you But you wanted family. to be on TV first and foremost, when, but was that was sports always right there yeah well it was more like i wanted to be on tv with people like i Mm. loved watching journalists like talking to people Mm. and interviewing that's something i always loved and i loved sports and i loved talking about sports so it all just kind of was able to mesh um and at this point i can't see myself doing anything other than sports people always ask like will you eventually want to do news or like entertainment Mm. and no, why, why like I want to do this always. Why is that? Why, why sports? I mean, why, what? What's? I mean, I've been on my. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I asked myself that. We're, but, all, we're all like, what? Right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, honestly, to me, the best thing about sports it's the stories, and I think sometimes the stories really get lost because we get so caught up in like the end game action. Mm. But right now, there's such this interest that people have in what athletes are actually like. Mm. And that's my favorite thing to figure out and like Mm. have conversations about. That's why I love doing the podcast. Like it's really not a lot about what happened on the field or on the court. It's having just literally a conversation and wherever it takes us. It's Mm. it's not like I'm trying to get them to mess themselves up and like say something that's controversial. It's like we have the conversation and that stuff just kind of comes because you're sitting and talking to somebody. And I think that that's just what really draws me to it the idea that there is a person that you see in the spotlight and that you feel like you know about them because you watch them play a game but there's really an actual person behind that and sometimes we we forget that aspect of it right so you so you feel like that aspect is lacking like yeah like the actual person behind the athlete Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of time when you get a glimpse into that person you understand them as the athlete even more um, mm. So I just always I try to like tap into that with the show and with the conversations that I have. So 
that I, you know I want people to listen to it and walk away feeling like that person is their friend now. When, you know? when, when can we? What, what days are? What, what days do you? Uh, so it's really <laughs> like whenever the person is in New York and they can do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Malcolm Jenkins is being recorded on the twenty eighth. Yeah, the twenty eighth for Jenkins, and then it will probably be out March first. All right, cool. So that'll be the next one. Mm-hmm. All right, what what um what role did Pam Oliver? I, I know you know mm-hmm. obviously Pam is a, is a friend of mine, and, and is really a what like one of the pioneers. Yeah, really, she un, is un, like un, the uh, goat. Uh, yeah, she's a, yeah she is yeah. the goat, and really <laughs> doesn't get as much play as she mm-hmm. should. But um, how did she inspire you? I mean, how did how did you sort of first run across her? Yeah, well, I remember the first time I saw her. Like it was. I can't remember if it was like a Falcons pregame, but it was like something in a Falcons game and I saw Pam Oliver. And you almost think like, okay, this person looks like me. Because when I was growing up, I know I'm still growing up before you make the, <laughs> before you make the <laughs> age not, jokes. Nah, I was gonna say, no more age jokes. It's longing, not joking. <laughs> but um, when I was younger, you know, like elementary school, middle school, there wasn't as many black people on TV like there are now. Like, there was definitely some, but I wasn't turning on the TV and being able to see, like, Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill. So when I saw Pam, I remember being mm. like, whoa, like, look at this lady. Like, she had brown skin like me. She wasn't, like, super light. She didn't have, like, right. tiny features. Like, mm. it was somebody that I really thought looked like me. And, and I mm-hmm. think that that representation is so, so, so very important. Um, and that's another reason why I say I feel like when I'm on the air, I have a responsibility to, like, talk about the things that are important to this, you know, group of people. Because if somebody is watching me, I don't want them to feel like, yeah, I look like them, but she doesn't represent me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like something I always keep in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. What what's it? Um, you know, you you came came to this market. I'm just saying, what what's it like working in this market? Because you mm-hmm. came here, like you're doing the Big Ten Network. Yeah. And all that. And I'm always intrigued because I think I mean New York is like the greatest city on earth, mm-hmm. but it's a very competitive market. Right. It is. You know, and I'm just wondering for you, uh, what's it been like, uh, you know, just competing mm-hmm. in this market? Because and is know. it is it different? Yeah. Where were you yeah. bo- with the Big Ten? Were you in Chicago? Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's day and night. People don't think that. They think, oh, yeah. well, Chicago, New York. Although I will say, I like Chicago more than New York. Oh, my. As, like, the actual city. Yeah, but that's why I'm from Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love the actual city of Chicago more than I like. It's cleaner. It is cleaner. It's, you still have, like, a very homey feel, and you lose the homey feel, I think, when you're in Manhattan. Like, you know, Chicago, it's nice, it's clean, the people are nice, there's a river running through it. You know, it's it's like home. Now, have you been, did you go to the south side, you limb? See, my, well, my, no, I, I lived in the West Loop, but I would always go up to the Herald on 79th Street because my mom has family that all live up okay, that way. Right, okay. So I wasn't there often, but I would. Pro- I probably went like once a month. Took a car, did a car drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dri- driver, please. Because <laughs> I'm telling I took, you, I always tell people, <laughs> the Herald's like downtown Chicago and the Herald's on like the south side. Like it's different Herald's and the, it oh, tastes oh, Herald, much better. Oh, fried chicken. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like and I, it yeah. tastes much better outside of downtown. Have so you if you want the Lim's? real Herald. It's the grease. Did you go no. Limbs. No, I did like Uncle Remus, Harold's. I never went to Limbs. Limbs. Never even heard of it. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's the Limbs <laughs> barbecue. I took my daughter there because you know, same thing. She lived in West Loop and all yeah. that. So, right, so let me take you to Chicago. So I took it to Limbs. We're supposed to be. But okay, but what's better, Harold's or Limbs? Well, Limbs. I mean, they're, they're, I like limbs. Okay. I mean, back in my heathen days when I would eat hot links. Heathen, and that, heathen days when I would eat meat and all that. But the, the point, though, is that. I mean, Chicago's a great, but it's it's something like when people say, well, where are you? They, they tell me, oh, I live in Chicago. So where? Oh, Oak Brook or, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. something like that. So, no, man, are you really in Chicago? Yeah. But but professionally, though, um, I mean, I, you know, I just think, I mean, every market is competitive. Atlanta's com- I mean, every market is competitive. Yeah. But what's it been like for you just co- competitively mm-hmm. working in this market? Yeah, I mean, the thing for me that was the biggest difference is, like, in New York, everything is a story. Mm-hmm. Like, I have never seen someone can do the smallest thing, and it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, in New York, the media really cares about everything that happens with every team. Like, it's going to be on the back page of the New York Daily News, like, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly, I don't really necessarily feel feel the competition i know that it's there but i just think that i have kind of 
created my own thing. Like I don't even think I'm always chasing the same mm -hmm. stories that everyone else mm -hmm. is chasing. I, it probably makes me happier and me feel more at peace, but I don't really feel a, like a competition. And I don't think I've ever really been that way. I really feel like if you work on yourself and you try to be better than you, you are always going to work out. That's just how I've always felt. Hmm. Okay. Well. Maybe <laughs> so, but the big the big difference is the story. Yes, right? for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's way more fun to work in New York. Like the things that you're covering, it's unmatched. Like yeah. it, it really is because people care so much about what happens here. Yeah, but you're all right. I mean, there is no. I mean, Chicago. It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's a different market. It is a little more homespun. Yeah. Um. But uh, I just feel there's no place like like New York. I mean, yeah. It's just. Uh, I mean, the first time I came here, you know, we were uh, I was like like 18 or something, mm -hmm. and we were gonna play in Yankee Stadium, and I remember just I was on the bus at yeah. night, and we were going to the hotel. And I'm like, man, you know, we hit the city and it's like night, like eight or something like that. I'm looking around at the thing that really blew me away. I looked out the window and I noticed that none of the cars stayed in their lane. Uh. For some reason, I said, wow, I like this city. I like this. You like that. I like it because I mean, the traffic. I can never drive in New York. I, and I really? haven't. You, can, you just got to throw, you just got to get out there and do Oh my gosh, remember, people here yeah. don't believe in like traffic that's rules. That's true. And I didn't, <laughs> you make like your I own said, rules. <laughs> just, don't be, just, just don't be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, I'm born and raised here and I didn't get my license. You know, people here don't, you don't need to drive. So I didn't have to get my license until I was in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I actually learned how to drive in North Carolina. And when I first drove in New York, I was like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, like there's no, there's no laws. How many accidents have you been in, if any? Only one, and that was in North Carolina. Really? One, or, one or two in North Carolina since I got here. And the yeah, no accident. I, I, I found actually, actually, and I've been having to spend a lot of time in Las Vegas mm -hmm. because you know my mother. I found really people are are crazier in other places because at least here, everybody's pretty much people got to get places. Right. And they said, listen, if you're gonna make a right turn, a, a left turn all the way from the far right. You know, there's like hands of people. You know, just do it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just do, do it. it. Just no do hesitation. It. Don't, just, yeah, just people do are it. also on the lookout here. Right. Like, so yes. you know, right. like, right. and right. I remember, right. I always remember this for some reason. <laughs> right. Like in the Great right. Gatsby, when Daisy was talking about driving a car and getting accidents, she was like, "Well, they'd have to hit me too." You know, right. like, right. and right. it's like right. <laughs> here defensive driver. Exactly. So I, it kind of, in a way, makes sense that the accident you got into was in a place right. like North Carolina. And I was just learning at the <laughs> yeah, time. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. how I got to New York because I did it. I did it perfectly. I learned. I first started driving North Carolina. Nothing. You know, I'm good. Yeah. Then moved to D.C. for a year. You know, in between, you know, New York and uh, and North Carolina in terms of craziness. And then yeah. you you get to the craziness and you're just like, all right. You know, he's got to deal with this. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I mean, we'll get back to you, but I mean, mm -hmm. the, the subways is another thing. Are you, I are, love are you the a subway. subway? Did you take the subway here? Yes. Okay. The See, subway God is bless you. honestly <laughs> the best invention. I, I, I seriously mean that. I love the subway. Really? I take it everywhere. Do you get recognized? Yeah. Sometimes on the subway. A lot when I go to like games, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a concentrated amount of people that are into sports. You right. Know? Mm -hmm. Um. But the thing about the subway is there's no traffic. Mm -hmm. You know Whoa. when you leave, like when you're going to get to the place. Like I would take the subway over Uber any day. Really? And a lot of places take you right into it. If you're going to the garden, right, right into the garden. You know, it you drops you off right in front of Barclays. Like, you must be on the good lines. I, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> I will say that's that's that four, five, one, two <laughs> lines. Yeah. yeah, I take like the one, two, and the three. R, yeah. double yeah. R, the N. Good, good luck with the AC. <laughs> you know, I, I, one day I just jumped on a plane like the RR. <laughs> I just, just for the hell of it. Where the hell do these people live? I, I just wanted to take the RR. Yeah, because people always talk about these crazy experiences they have on subways. Right. Like, this has never happened to me. Uh, I will just say, wait, though. Just wait. It's a little bit She's of a young, gross story. Yeah. <laughs> once, this is no joke. I mean, I'm sure you guys, this has probably happened to you guys, but once I got off the subway and someone was just pooping on the subway. I've never seen it. Wow. Because yeah. whenever I tell people this story. <laughs> oh. you, mean, you mean like a dog? No, like a human. A being? human. A human. Say F that. That's. Yeah. That has been the cra that's the craziest thing. And you didn't but move whenever back? I tell people that, I was getting off, like getting oh. off the subway and they're. But never tell people that they're like, 
crazy stuff happens on the subway. I'm like, what? what? But that's, that is. That's the and, then, and then, you know, the thing is, though, here, like, people just kind of play it off. Like, that's right. what I'm saying. That's like, why I thought y'all were going to be like, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> Although, I'm But if I saw you. it, I'd play it off. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but that's the whole thing. I, my daughter spent, like, 18 months in, in Chicago. She said, the biggest difference, she said she had the same reaction you did, Taylor. Like, people friendly, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And she said it took her a minute when people were, like, speaking. She's like, you know, if you come from New York and be like, hey, how are you doing? Said, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then in New York, you learn to look almost like two blocks ahead yeah. to see what's coming at you, mm-hmm. like what's nuts and stuff. And, you know, in Chicago, the Midwest is just a whole different thing. Let me ask you this professionally again. Yeah. So where would you like to end up? Um, hmm. You know, because we haven't even brought up L.A., which is my new favorite city. I don't like L.A. I always said I didn't live in L.A. or New York, but here yeah. I am. New York got you. Yeah, yeah. New York got me. Um, professionally, I don't really have like a city or a destination that I'm, I want to be there. I more just have an overall idea. I really want to have a show that is sit down, 30 minutes, one person, long-form interviews, and that's what we do. I don't mm. want it to be like there's a show and I talk about the news and then I have a guest that's on for like five minutes. I want it to be in long form interview style show. Mm. Um, and I don't think that we really have that for sports. I don't know if we really have a consistent thing like that for anything, sports, entertainment, news, whatever it may be. Um, but that's really my goal. And it's like whatever place would allow me that platform is where I'd want to be. Mm. I'm not a person that is like, I don't want to live in this place because this is just isn't right. my idea. Right. I would go wherever I thought was the best the situation. That's, yeah. I, that, and I don't know how, I'm sure at this point you're getting a lot of people asking you, you know, for advice, mm-hmm. and and I think you hit on something that you got to be able to go, go wherever. go where the work right. is. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Because yeah. like I said, I was like, New York isn't my favorite place. I don't know if I want to be here, but I knew that it would be an opportunity for me to grow. So I did it without hesitation. I just can't get over that. New York is not the favorite place. You know, <laughs> Some the, people don't like New York. I huh? like right. Georgia. <clears throat> And I like, but you gotta, Chicago. you gotta, you gotta come to Brooklyn or you know. What I, mean? I do. Like Manhattan. I do. Have you ever been to Pies and Thighs? I've heard of it. Where's that? Where I go that? to Brooklyn to eat that. Where's that? A, um, it's on Fourth and Driggs. Wow! I think that you just got a. Uh, uh, do you do any endorsements? I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you should get paid for that. <laughs> I know, right? Free, free <laughs> know. chicken biscuit. That's the thing. Since I'm pies southern, I will thighs. travel places for southern food see, or soul food. That's the thing about New York too. How mm-hmm. big it is. Like you right. know, I'm. Someone who's been here thirty years, mm-hmm. um, you know, you learn right. something. You still learn something new every day. And Go the, there. Do you like that type of food, of like course. southern stuff? Food? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, that's funny. You identify as southern. One hundred percent. Yeah. Atlanta. Well, yeah. so you were you, you were born like a southern accent. I don't. I'm, I'm from the suburbs of Atlanta, so <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't have that like draw. Atlanta cuz accent, uh. and I also don't have the southern draw. Um, but I'm a southerner through and through. I be, I was in Georgia since I was six. Didn't okay. leave till I, I went to well, University that, of Illinois. That that kind of explains it. Then. Yeah. Because a lot of the, a lot of the uh, now you know what you were probably like DC. Maybe you probably yeah. you would probably like Washington. Okay. You write like you would like Washington because some some of the kids I've got this thing that's the the Roden Fellows. Well, this mm-hmm. is this fellowship, and uh, the kids came here. They're from HBCUs around the country, six of them, and they came here and they spent the summer here. Yeah. And, you know, I was just, like, showing them places and driving. Through. And <laughs> then they spent another four weeks in D.C. And because I was asking them, you know, what you get? and they liked D.C. better. Yeah. And I think it's because a lot of them were Southern. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. a whole, because I guess New York could just be so. A lot. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It, it, it definitely, definitely is. But I am enjoying it, you know. it's It's definitely grown on me. So when I. No, decided to come here. Someone said, you know, you can make New York small. And they were so right. And I think that's what I've done. And it's it's been a great experience. I have no complaints. Yeah, you better not. Have <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, what, you know, what about we talked a lot about the social conscious and all that. The mm-hmm. big thing now is sort of the the whole uh, Me Too movement, mm-hmm. which I'm curious. I mean, I, I don't want to get sidetracked into do you think the Me Too movement has, has bumped Black Lives Matter? That's another this is another issue, another show. But what's what's been your experience about being a woman and a black woman mm-hmm. working in this industry and this whole rise of the uh, the Me Too thing? What's sort yeah. of been your as you've seen it? Because really, it's as we speak. You know, somebody else may have gotten fired as <laughs> we speak. But what what's been your um, your your view of it and your, yeah. your sort of analysis of it? 
I mean, I think that all things like need to happen, and I think that this is probably long overdue. I mean, it's amazing now that people are being held responsible for the things that they have done, you know, if they have done something bad. I think that that is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. But to me, the main thing about it is I do truly feel like it's empowering people to speak. I think that we're in this time where there's almost a group thing. So if you see one person getting support, you think, okay, maybe I'll get support if I also do this too. So I think above all else, the fact that it's encouraging people to speak their truths and say what happened to them and feel like there's not gonna be a consequence, um, that's probably been the best thing. But I think that it's not that the two can't coexist because I think they're <clears throat> equally as important. Like being a woman right. and, and being black, you know, and the struggles that come with both. Right. Um, you just wanna make sure that all voices are represented. And maybe black women feel like their voices are being represented in the Me Too movement. Mm. Not to say that the people that are being represented are any less important. It's just that you want everybody to feel like their story is as important. Mm. And you know, why are we talking more about this case than that case, you know? Because it can't be this like selective caring. Right, you know, right, right. Um, and I think that that's what I would caution. It's like when one bad thing happens to one person, make it just as important as a bad thing that happened to the other person. Right, right. Uh, and I think that's probably the only kind of thing with with that movement. What's what, what's been your experience, you know, as a black woman in the industry? Not not as far as the Me Too movement, but just in terms of, you know, what's the experience been like? Yeah, that, that wouldn't be f like for me. Yeah, you know. It's funny because I feel like I get asked that a lot. And I think that I, in so many ways, see being a black woman as an advantage. I, I truly do because, you know, we have this voice. And I just think sometimes people want black women or women to feel like they're there for something other than the fact that they're good at their job. Mm -hmm. um, but you never want to give somebody that power to be like, well, you know, it's hard, but I'm here. You know what I mean? Like It's like <laughs> I'm here because I belong in the room and because mm -hmm. I worked hard and I did the stuff that that allowed me to be here. But we've, we more so face things as you know being viewed as a woman first and a journalist second and, and not kind of getting that same respect. Right. But I do think that that like, comes in time and that's something that everybody has to battle with. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's the reality, right. you know? But one thing I always tell people, and it's one of the reasons that I started a podcast versus like a video interview series is, I wanted people to have to focus on like what I was saying and not what I look like. Mm. Like a lot of people have said, well, why don't you upload them on YouTube? It, it's literally because I don't want people to be looking at me. Like even when mm. I post, <laughs> <laughs> even when I post the little clips of the interviews on my Instagram, I only post one clip because I want people to just like hear my voice and care about what I'm saying. I don't want it to be like, oh, she looks good in this interview. Or, so, th so that's been an issue for you. Yes. Me. I think a lot of people put a lot of focus on what I look like and mm -hmm. don't listen mm -hmm. to like the content that I'm putting out, mm -hmm. what, mm -hmm. what I think is some good freaking content. <laughs> no question. But That's why just, you're on this show. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> of content. But they're, <laughs> but they're like, I mean like my mm. comment section is just wild. I mean, mm. but the tweets I get are just wild, so. That's, We're not going to ask you to share. <laughs> that. that but that's why it really was important. that I was like, you know what? I'm doing yeah. this podcast because it needs to be about the questions I ask in the interviews that I do and, and mm -hmm. how, you know, the subjects react to me. I thought that was what was but, important. But you, it's an interesting thing you said that um, you thought it, it, in, way, in some ways it's an advantage, mm -hmm. which makes sense to me uh, because, you know, in the sports industry dominated by black males mm -hmm. and black males respect black women. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I respect black women. Um, and I mean, I think they could have respected some more, some but would, that's another would, show. But, yeah. yeah that's a, that could be <laughs> but, a debatable. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Down I, I think, but I, but I do, I think, yeah. I think that black males generally respect black women. I mean, you know, well, I mean, that's what I've seen. You they respect their mothers. Well, Taylor, what do you think about that? I, I think I, you're that. Saying, see, Jamal, you're saying because of the whole thing of most guys being me, uh, black men, many being raised by mothers. But also, but also, just in, and I'm not talking about. I'm really not talking about like a dating aspect, but I'm or yeah, anything you like just that. Mean, like, literally I'm talking about like if 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 you want to talk to somebody and be real mm -hmm. and have a real conversation and respect the back and forth. Mm -hmm. 
you know, once once that person shows you that, you know, mm-hmm. that they respect you, you too. That? And have you, have you I found would that? Say, I mean, well, first off, like I love black men. I mean, like that. But my <laughs> thing, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they don't necessarily go to bat for black women the way that black women go to bat for black men. That I I really don't. Probably true. Yeah, that I don't. Get, was think. It, would it give me like some kind of example? He's an attorney, by the way. So yeah. he's gonna, he's gonna <laughs> prove it. Not prove it. I just more so think we will always like have your back in the sense of like if if there's an injustice or something is happening to you, we are going to be yeah. the ones that are, are there and trying to make sure, you know, you are lifted up and that the world isn't necessarily tearing you down. But I feel like the other way around, it isn't that same. Black men ferocity. are probably more likely to, to run out or marry a, with a white woman more likely than a, a, a sister is to deal with a white guy. I mean, I know that's a, that's a, a generality, but I think it's a generality that's kind of true. No changing. You think so? Yeah, but yeah. Well, I, I know. I know when my my daughter's they decided to go between Duke, one of the professors at Duke told her that you know a professor told us you know a lot of the black women on campus are really just complaining because a lot of guys, particularly the athletes, you know, don't really deal with a lot of black women there. They did, you know. So that's again another. That's another broadcast, but uh, I think that what what Jamal was asking you was interesting. I thought where where you were going was when you said that being a woman or black woman is is uh, is an advantage uh, in this, in particularly the, in the football, industry. basketball, mm-hmm. where you got a lot of black men. Yeah, uh, but I can see it both I ways. Do I can see in as some it could ways be. there's a trust there. I, right, I really talk do. They will right. talk to me if you know what yeah. you're talking about. Right, for sure. Right, for if sure. you know what you're talking right. about, because I think what you're saying is very interesting and and. Guys probably don't have to deal with that at all because mm-hmm. you, you look at what, what some of the guys look like, <laughs> in terms of how they dress and yeah. don't care. Yeah, you know. And I think that women in the industry have they probably have to walk a line. Yeah, that guys don't have to do because one hundred percent. You know, and I, and I think that's really unfair and it's and it's vexing because you do want to care about your appearance, but like you said, look beyond. Mm-hmm. What I look, no matter how I look, yeah. whether I look right. your ideal of beauty right. or mm-hmm. whether I look unattractive or whatever, yeah. right. Cause the, just deal with me as a professional. Right. For sure. And exactly. I think that's the hard thing. Because yeah, what you get, mm-hmm. the comments you get, some some women get the you know the, the complete 180, which mm-hmm. is, you know, and like you said, both yeah. you know, are a problem. Right. So both your, are about the thing that, like, right. isn't the right, subject, right, right. you know? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so how do you negotiate that and how would you suggest you're teaching a course or you're just mentoring young women right. getting into this profession how do you negotiate that and do you think that this whole movement we're in now with the me too is that going to make it easier well it's funny because i used to when people would ask me that i'd say you know what this is going to happen but it'll get better but that's not what i say anymore mm-hmm. because sometimes the best advice is also the advice that you don't want to hear I think like and I wish that somebody said you know this is how it's going to be it's not like one day it will stop Mm -hmm. because when people tell you that you're like you know I'm going to keep working and people will stop saying that (laughs) you know your butt looks good or you look pretty here you know it's like you can't control what other people are going to say. Mm-hmm. And like that's not what people want to hear. Like people do want to hear it's going to get better. Right. But it gets better because you view it differently. Right. Have have you seen a different attitude uh among younger your younger male peers? Mm-hmm. Cuz there's clearly a change that older males in the industry have to make. For example, um and and some of it is learned like I said most guys are recovering sexist. Mm-hmm. And you have to admit that you were recovering. It's just well, like, most guys are just sexist. Well, but, but I'm <laughs> a saying, couple but, are recovering. Well, hopefully you recover. Just like with white people and race. I mean, right, you don't want to hear that most white people if, on the right side are recovering racist. But nobody wants to even admit that we're all splashed with that. That's right. just the way the country is set up. Right. Racism is one of those disease. And then you say, okay, you know what? Yeah, but I'm recovering. The same thing with sexism. And I was wondering if you see with your male peers, if you see more of a sort of um, equanimity or, or or that 
or do you think that it's just guys are just guys and mm-hmm. and and you know what do I think I've never I've never really thought about it that way I think that my generation probably is more aware that there are things that you can't do right right you know right, right, I think right the older people just genuinely didn't think twice about it but now you're going up in a time where if you do something there's going to be a consequence so you're thinking about is this the right thing to do is this the wrong thing to do and how you know and i not, think not, that not that's that there's an intrinsic helping. change not that there's it's an intrinsic like, change it's just like survival. it's survival yeah <laughs> right. Right. it really right. is but but then you know over years in time it become it will become intrinsic you know yeah. because that's Which, the way life then is that i do think will happen right. you know and that is what i i hope happen and this is not to say that a lot of men aren't that way because a lot right. of men aren't. I, there's so many men that are your allies and do support you and and you know view you as you know right. a strong independent person. But they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a good looking woman. Like that is abundant. But there, uh, there's also the opposite. Right. Right. But you, as you said, your theme here has been you can be both. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's sort of it doesn't have to be one or the other. There's yeah. no need to dumb yourself down. Right. There's no need to not be attractive mm-hmm. or not, you know but the idea is being a professional yeah um that's my idea let me let me <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. but i mean i do think i do think even i think the learn part of it i remember when i had this australian shepherd i know we got to go but i know i had this australian shepherd and it's bear and so we sent him to be trained and bear had this strong personality so finally after the fourth trainer when the guy brought him back he said listen this is the same dog it's the same dog, but he understands rules and consequences now. Yeah. Same dog. You know, don't think that he's been changed. It's the same dog, but now he knows that there, like you said, there are consequences. Yeah. So if he goes after the bike, he gets, if he, you know. For sure. And I think the same thing with the behavior. Same person, but you just now, like you said, you understand now right. that there are right. things you can and right. can't do. Can and as, yeah. as you should. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, so. The dog too. The dog too. <laughs> yeah, Bear was tough, man. <laughs> just, just for you. So, you've been doing this. You've been in New York for how many years now? Uh, a year and a half. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost half. Almost half. Okay. Like a year and four give months. Me, give it, give it, give it. But so far, what's been, what's what what have you loved doing? What's sort of been? I know the Beasley experience is probably yeah. up to somewhere. But what what's what do you love? doing what sort of the, the things that you love covering the events you love covering what what do you love mm-hmm. doing i mean i mentioned it a little but honestly the podcast is the best is my really? favorite thing i always tell people i don't think i was fulfilled doing this job until i started doing the podcast because i i was doing something that mattered to me having conversations that i felt mattered you know creating mm-hmm. news like doing something that was going to last you know and you do, you know, the night show, you anchor the night show, you do like a sideline. That's not something that is like of substance. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of a fleeting thing. And I wanted to do stuff that was going to stay and be like classic and mm-hmm. and timeless. And I feel like I wasn't doing that into the podcast. And now I do that and it, I love it. I really do feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm having the interviews, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a sideline reporter, but that's just not what I want to do. I always say it's not my goal to, you know, do that. I want to interview and talk to people and get people to open up. Um, and Mm -hmm. I, and I just think that I, you don't necessarily get to do that if you are just being a reporter. And that could also be part of a stereotype too, Mm -hmm. that the whole sideline thing, um, because you have a lot of women doing it. Um, yeah, right. some some guys, but that's almost sort of like this. Mm-hmm. Now you do have some women doing play by play. Yeah, which is amazing. And that, and that has to, that kind of stuff has to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just has to happen because you know, and all this stuff. You know, and again, when you go through the museum of history uh, in DC, you understand that people aren't giving you anything. There's every single inch has been fought for, mm-hmm. and I think that and if. Every generation, like my daughter's got to you know, listen. Am I giving you people with power? You're gonna have to take it. You gotta take it. Yeah. And a lot of times, power with people in power who's gonna keep them in power. Right. Yeah. You know. For sure. So, so it's 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 all it, it, you know. And I think that that's what we get back to the beginning of the conversation about mm-hmm. about struggle and all that. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it's about. That's how the country is founded. Mm-hmm. And in terms of everything we talked about, you know. 
your rights and how you you've got to punch people in the mouth yeah and you're also i think in this business you're you're thinking okay what's going to be the thing that makes me irreplaceable you know, right. like, what am I doing that I know no one else is going to be able to do? Because right. it's such a machine. A lot of yeah. people think, okay, well, if that person leaves, I'm just going to stick in another yes, post right. report or whatever. So you're, you're right. constantly like, well, what it makes me special? What separates me from that? You want to put yourself in positions that the things you're doing are, are talent-driven, you know, more than they're show-driven. And so I just try to always think that, like, how can I separate myself in that sense? Yeah. Well, you're on your way, Taylor. Oh, thank Trust you. Me. No, you're on your way, <laughs> but you got to keep grinding. For sure. But you're, but you're on. Whose podcast is better, yours or ours? <laughs> let's get to. Let's get to. Oh, no. I'm going to huh? say yours. Yours uh, for sure. Yeah, I don't Good know. answer. For sure. Good answer. No, no, no. But I think we, maybe we, the way we could collaborate or something. Yeah. You know, listen, our guest has been uh, Taylor Rooks. He's the uh, you've seen. She's the anchor of uh, at SNY College Football uh, anchor. She's been. She's done a lot of stuff, right. um, and um, you know it's been really it, it's it's been a pleasure uh, seeing your work. It's going to be great watching you grow. Thank right. you. Really, your, your enthusiasm is contagious. Uh, you can just tell with some people they just got it. And uh, the key thing, I guess, is you know in all in all of our careers, is that thing that you've got. You just can't let you know. You just can't. We just can't let people beat it out of you. Right. Yeah. You know that's that's the whole thing because that's mm -hmm. the big. You, you come here, you know, you come here, and then they say, oh, okay, right, let's see, take this. Yeah, see yeah. How we could change yeah. It. yeah, let's take that. Sure. You right. don't want to get jaded, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I am honored to have been on, so thank you guys no. so very much. Thank you for coming. Uh, where can people find you, social media-wise? Mm -hmm. Yes. Know, and please do not leave disparaging comments. <laughs> right? Oh, no, but Not they're going to come, though. That's well, the thing. I guess thing. it is disparaging. I was, yeah, totally. Way. Um, I don't even read them. You read them? No, I, that's the I other thing. Read, I don't I really read, read them now, but what, it's what like if, I just try what, to tell about, people they're going to come. Yeah. What about the one person who leaves a comment that nice. could be a nice one? Maybe. I appreciate those <laughs> so much, so much. Um, but my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are all the same. Taylor Rooks. Very easy. T a y l o r r o o k s. And the podcast again. It's time out with Taylor Rooks. You can get it on iTunes and SoundCloud by just searching the name. And the next big thing, we didn't ask you. Damn, we didn't ask you about the Super Bowl. Did you like? Did you like the results? Uh, yes, because the Falcons lost to the Patriots last year. Oh, I forgot. The Falcons were the greatest collapses of all time. One hundred percent of all time. One hundred percent. February fifth. 2017 was an how awful about, day. How about Eagle fans? You, you like them? Happy, happy for Eagles fans for mm -hmm. sure. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was just happy the Patriots didn't win, and it was an, <laughs> a, it was an amazing game. But I said it was really amazing how they lost, like a strip sack on no, Tom Brady. Right. It was just poetic because yep. when they got the ball with over two minutes left, it, of course they were going to score. There was no I doubt know. in my mind. Right. No exactly. doubt in my mind. They made a play. I looked, I looked, at, made a play. Yes, right. looked they, at the clock and said, you know what? I'm like, well, yeah. it's over. Right. I think I literally. tweeted at that point. I've seen this movie before. And then right. two minutes later, they got the sack. I was like, oh, guess not. It's right. literally what I thought. I'm like, mm. well, they came close. So it was just amazing. And then when Tom Brady looked so unathletic. <laughs> I know. I know. Trying I know, to catch know, that. Why, why are you a Tom Brady hater? Oh. Yeah. And then what was so funny, this guy, this this guy sent me a picture. I'll, I'll, sit, I'll show it you. He sent me a picture that I'm going to frame in, you know, the, in the rec room at our church. It's a picture. Remember the one where Brady was just sitting down on the field after he yeah, sitting, just upset yeah. like. And the guy he captured it. It was like the perfect thing. Oh, and I, asked I love him, you it. Send, and he sent it to me. And uh, but you know, I must tell you though, I, I don't know. We're just going on and on. Yeah. After after the after the because I was a, I necessarily was a Brady hater. After you've done this for a long time, at some point. You just kind of respect. No, I people, appreciate you know? the greatness for right. sure. It, but it's like I had a personal like. You just screwed my team last year. Right. I need you to to lose. Are you still a fan? Of course, through the through thick and thin. Who are you a fan of? It's crazy. The Falcons. Just the Falcons. Just the Falcons. Like okay. that's the only team I'd say I like ride for. But what are you going to get out of that? I mean, <laughs> never. <laughs> I kept up being like, oh, we're going to Super Bowl. We have the path of least resistance. We got to play like L.A. And then we play the Eagles with Nick Foles. I thought it was, <laughs> was going to be so easy. Right. I was wrong, of course. But but watching that game made me more mad because I just said we should have won last year. 
What you about? Know? But what they ab- shouldn't. But they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. You got to win. Yeah, you have, but to, you have to win. You guys choke. You guys choke. Yes, one hundred percent. Twenty-eight to three. I know. In the Super Bowl. I know. You know. That hurt me. I'm not even a Falcons fan. I was hurt by that. Yeah. But after that, I said, you know what? You know what? We're cursed, and then and then it happened. Oh, now it's a curse. But then it happened to UGA this year. It's yeah. it's honestly the state of Georgia for some reason right now is right. cursed when it comes right. to sports. Last question. Okay. Um, last question. Uh, NBA All Star Game. Do you think is do you think is substantial? No, but it's fun. You know, it's like whatever. About the Cavs trade. Into it, they're so good. Mm-hmm. I don't, okay, games. maybe it's a little early to say so good, but they are very impressive right now. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, two games, good teams beat them, but yeah. like LeBron got a whole new squad. One hundred, because mm-hmm. that's the thing. LeBron just needs people around him that can score and defend. Right. You let him go. Mm-hmm. They gave him some just athletes. some complimentary yeah. players. Right. Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about him? <laughs> good answer. All right, with that, we'll let her go before all her credentials are taken. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's been Taylor Rooks at Anchor C S N Y and. Uh, Hey, hey, thank you. This, this is great. Thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Y'all are great. <laughs>